the word that that uh, kept coming up for me when I was uh, reading um, your information and your bio was the word balance. Mm-hmm. What? How? How do you define balance? I do it in a couple of different ways that are a little non-traditional. What I stay away from, and I know sometimes this hurts people's feelings. I stay away from the term work-life balance. Welcome. I'm Dawn Mathis, and this is To Your Greatness. Every day, you give so much of yourself to those you love. Through this podcast, I'll guide you on a journey to reawaken the greatness that lies within you. In each episode, you'll hear incredible stories of transformation from me and my guests that will inspire you to design and manifest a life that is in harmony with your soul's purpose. You are meant to live the life you'd love. Let me show you how. Welcome everybody. This is To Your Greatness with Dawn Mathis and I am Dawn Mathis, the owner and founder of In-Situ LifeWorks. And we have an amazing guest today. This is Rick Griggs, who's joining us. He is the founder of Griggs Achievement Training and Retreats. And uh, after working in management at uh, the National Semiconductor and Intel, he began his own company in 1983, teaching people how to jumpstart their humanity to reach high business goals. He instructs on a blend of balance, innovation, and leadership. Armed with degrees in psychology, French, and business behavior analysis, Rick has trained thousands of people, including Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory employees, folks at Stanford University, the American Animal Hospital Association, the American Dental Association, Anheuser-Busch, Cisco Systems, Good Samaritan Society, and a number of city and county government institutions. Rick is also an award-winning author and has written eight books. His seventh book, Triumph in Teams, won a first-place book award. In addition to consulting in the United States, Rick has also consulted globally. He speaks fluent French, some German, and apparently enough Spanish to get into trouble. I can relate to the Spanish part and getting into trouble. So, so we have a, a common thread there. So, yeah. wow. <laughs> Welcome, Rick. Um, you know, there was, there was so much uh, to read about you that if I read it all, we would, we would only have about five minutes for content. So <laughs> I hope, uh, hope what I gleaned gives, gives everyone a feel for the value that Rick can bring to us today. So welcome, Rick. Thank you, Don. It's a pleasure being here and great job picking a few things that might be of interest to the listeners. Yes, I think so. Um, So here's, here's kind of, um, I'm, this is this is something I really wanted to talk to you about because one of the topics that I coach into and a point that 
I love uh, to talk about with guests for for the benefit of our, our listeners is is something that that we call the hero's journey, and, and what that means is that that's a part of life that something changed for us, whether it was catastrophic uh, or just a, a life change, something that changes the tra- trajectory of your life and and maybe had you go off into a, a different direction. And so um, you alluded in, in some of your biography to a tragedy you witnessed in the Silicon Valley and that from there you developed your world-class set of balanced mastery modules. Can, can you tell us a bit about that, about that story? You bet, Don. It, in a way, it's, it's kind of, I want to say it's a pleasure to talk about the story, but it was a tragedy at the time, and it's still a tragedy in my mind. But if I keep it short, I have another one jumping off a bridge in France that if it's if this first one's a little bit of a downer, we can add a second one for you for your listeners. Okay. This happened many years ago. I was just out of graduate school working at National Semiconductor in Silicon Valley, California. I thought I'd I thought I'd made it. And um, with my master's degree and uh, I was doing the work that I had been studying in school. And one time I had to teach a productivity class to the night shift. So I was teaching all night. I got off work at about five in the morning, got my stuff, and I was ready to walk back across the street to my office in the human resources building. And it was 5.30, 5.45 in the morning, Don, and, and I see a person going into the building before sunrise, and I, I'll, I'll use the name Ruth, and she's going into work early in the morning, and I had seen her there the night before, and I just had to take a detour and walk past her desk that morning. Um, there's nobody else in the building, and I said, um, Ruth, what are you doing here so early? I saw you working late last night. How come you're here so early? And she says, Rick, I've got to show that I'm a no-nonsense manager, that I can keep up. And I, and at the time, she was a rare female manager in Silicon Valley. And um, she says, I've got to keep up with the men. Um, I have so much to do. And I remember telling her, well, don't work too hard. And uh, I said goodbye. And I went and put all my stuff at my desk. I went home and slept for the the morning or into early afternoon because I'd worked all night. I got back to the building, to the location on Kiefer Avenue, heart of Silicon Valley. And uh, there's an ambulance in the parking lot. The doors flung open and they carried someone down on a gurney and bounced them down the stairs. Now, in a horrible situation, it's funny what you remember, but it was Ruth. She'd had a heart attack at her desk during lunch that day. And they carted her out and the ambulance just kind of slowly drove down the street. And I talked to one of the vice presidents in the lobby. And I said, isn't this happening a little too often around here? And he looked down at me, he was a big tall guy, looked down at me, he says, Griggs, used by my last name, he says, with our numbers, it's not a big issue. And she died that afternoon. I, I was, oh I was paralyzed. 
I was so struck with first the callousness. I know he was talking statistics, but I saw her go into work that morning and I saw them carry her out at two o'clock that afternoon. And, and it struck me like a ton of bricks. And that mm. night I decided I was gonna start a business that would take the balance in your life, the personal side, and the achievement or the mastery or all the skills we wanna use to make money. And I was just gonna try to put them together. And with her losing her life, and she wasn't the only one, that changed my trajectory. It changed my life's work. That was over three decades ago, and I have not wavered. Sometimes I wished I could waver and go into another business or something. But I, 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 as, as of that day, I had a calling for what I call balanced mm. mastery. Wow. Wow. Yeah, one of my favorite sayings is that, you know, statistics are, are, are just about numbers, but I'm a person. Um, yes. And... and <laughs> However, you're you're right. Uh, corporate America, corporate anywhere, um, it's it's a numbers game, and oh. um, and I, I'm so sorry that 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 happened to Ruth. And you're absolutely right. It it happens a lot. We we hear about it in coaching, where uh, people um, have because they're not living their purpose, or because they're not balanced, they're actually sick they're absolutely they're not they're they're not well they don't sleep well they're not living the life they would love to live they check their soul at the door mm -hmm. and um we hear about we hear stories like that all the time and and i'm sure in your work and wow you've been doing this since 1983 i'm sure you have heard it over and over and over again it's it's oh. epidemic. It's pandemic. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. you agree? I, I would. And I've seen too many notices on the, the, on the lobby door that someone expired over the last few days. When I've gone to a company to teach a class and I find out one of their employees died and not to stay on the negative part of that, but to me, it's like if in, in coaching with Peggy, with my clients, if we can give them a choice, Don, if we can say you don't have to pick just the balance and personal stuff or just the achievement and lots of money in the bank, that you don't have to pick one of those because both of those by themselves are dead ends in, in, my, yeah. in my belief system. You have to be a really well-rounded person and that includes the balance side but it also includes the achievement. And if we can figure out a way to do both and to teach that, we're doing good with our time on this earth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 I like um, when I um, received my coaching training, um, we talked about both and that you don't, mm -hmm. you don't have to shoot for just achievement at the expense of your health. Right. You can have the life you love and achieve as well. It's a both yeah. and not an either or. Absolutely. Um, I love it. Love so, it. so we're talking here about people literally dying at work. Um, yeah. 
So, so the the word that that uh, kept coming up for me when I was uh, reading um, your information and your bio was the word balance. Mm-hmm. What? How? How do you define balance? I do it in a couple of different ways that are a little non traditional. What I stay away from, and I know sometimes this hurts people's feelings. I stay away from the term work-life balance only because Mm. when I was in the corporate setting, I saw that um, a lot of people, they, they didn't take it seriously. They thought it was in, in some cases, they thought it was a waste of time from the corporate standpoint, from the corporation's goals and aspirations. They looked at it as something we have to do. And I look at balance as it's a combination of balance and achievement. And when those are together, that's the kind of balance I'm talking about. And I I think we might chat about this, my mastery circle in a little bit where I have you pick the priorities in your life. Um, But Mm. that's, that's also hitting on the kind of balance Whenever I think of balance, I think you have a responsibility to be a well-rounded achiever at the same time. That's what people needed to hear in corporations, that it wasn't just work-life balance, that there was an achiever component to it, that there was mastery, that we've got to teach balance, but we've also got to teach achievement so people don't end up working 10 hours a day to get six hours of work done. I mean, that's what gives you the time with your family, the time with your hobbies, the time to play a little piano or to have a koi pond and still be mm. a great achiever. That That's my belief. When you say balance, I immediately factor in the achievement part of it at the same time. I hope okay, that so, kind of answers. Yeah, I think so. So what you're saying is working working smarter so that it doesn't take you as long to do the job necessarily absolutely and it doesn't take rocket science to learn some good tools there are people Mm -hmm. in every profession who are at the top of their game who are masters in the field and by the way real masters they never say they're masters they're always achieving they're always working towards refining their skills, but that component of learning how to do your work better in less time, and I believe in forcing the hours. Um, Anybody can work 12 hours. I saw it so much, 10, 12 hours a day. Um, I just get, get nervous when I hear that's what someone's doing. When somebody tells me they haven't taken a vacation in years, I just cringe because I know that's gonna explode down the road. Um, the well-rounded lifestyle includes the responsibility to be an efficient achiever without killing yourself. And the tools are out there. We've just got to bring them together and do our marketing well enough that we get a chance to go inside of organizations or to work with individuals to teach them some of these skills. A lot of people think they already know it. And unfortunately, I hope I don't get into trouble here, but a lot of men 
think that, oh, they can't go to that softer side. They can't ta ever say the word balance or be a well-rounded human being. They've got to be a super achiever, Superman. And I know mm -hmm. that's, 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 it's not a, um, a strict gender issue, but I've just run into a lot of men who don't want to go on, go to the training or learn how to do both that balance and achievement. Yeah. No, no, no judgment, just my observations. Sure. Well, and you've been doing it long enough. So, so if you see a trend, um, you know, it's, uh, we appreciate you, you pointing that out to us. Um, so what, what are some of the most common imbalances you, you see when you go into um, a corporation or a business, um, what what what's the glaring thing that you can tell us that you see? So maybe it'll make the listeners and myself a little more aware of, hey, maybe we should watch out for this. I'll tell you, Don, that's a really insightful question. What I see most often is people being praised for overworking, praised for being <sighs> fanatical where there's an award for people who go overboard. Um, and that becomes the norm where people leave their cars in the parking lots uh, late at night over the weekend, or they text and they do things that show that they're working more than they need to work. Wow. You know, I I think yeah. I might have been one of those people when I was in corporate America. If I worked, uh, you know, worked twelve hours or or did something like that, and and you're right. I mean, that's kind of cultural at at many places of business. Um, is uh, you know, and it's some it's it's bragging rights. So. One of one of the things that um, that I noticed that you were talking about um, in um, the balanced mastery was um, that balance alone doesn't work. What did you mean by that, and and, and what's missing? Okay, it's it gets complicated, but on the employer side. When you just look at balance, the, um, the impression is that people are going to take their time and do things that aren't supporting the organization. On an individual side, when people just look at balance, they're thinking they're going to lose out on some marketing, on some networking, on some client engagement, because they're doing things that make them a fully functioning human being. And that's the, that's a wrong way to look at it. If you take mm. it in a way that you being a well-rounded person helps make you a fully functioning human being, everything else you do will be better. You will achieve more if you're a well-rounded person. But it doesn't just mean goofing off. It doesn't mean just golfing or just doing hobbies all the time. 
anything in excess, of course, is going to be dangerous. It's going to create some, maybe some laziness or missed opportunities. That balance, that back and forth of the achievement side and the, the personal, well-rounded side, uh, to me, that's the magic formula, formula. You have to have both. So from an employer's perspective, what would you like to see more employers doing or saying or encouraging from their employees? Okay. Another, Don, another excellent question. Um, it's, to me, the answer jumps out like a neon sign. Set the example of being a well-rounded human being. Don't, oh, don't there you sneak go. off and go on vacation. Let your employees know you're going to take Friday afternoon off. Let your employees know you're going to go do something to recreate, to re-energize yourself. And the, the, few, the few really good leaders that aren't afraid to do that, I, I believe I, I see their business as mushroom. I see their relationship to their employees mushroom. Now, some people will take advantage. Okay, there's a percentage out of every every group. But by and large, seeing that the leadership sets the example of being a well-rounded human being, that, that would be the number one thing, Don, that over, over my few years in the business um, <laughs> would make a huge improvement. And, and then uh, the employees would follow suit. Like, it's okay. It's okay to take a day off here and there because even the boss does it. Exactly yeah. right. And, there, Don, there's so many statistics. There's so many anecdotal stories, so many um, well-designed experimental studies that show the people who do that, the people who take time with their families, the people who mm -hmm. take time to exercise who have a hobby, um, the best leaders I've seen in my in my years, uh, one was at Lucent Technologies, one was at Hewlett Packard. And these these folks, I mean, one time the this leader flew back home from a conference we were doing in Reno. So it was about an hour flight. He flew home for his son's birthday party during the conference. Oh and flew wow. back to the conference after he attended his son's birthday party. I mean, that I love the guy. I want to hug him. And he's the kind oh. of example I'd like to see for most employees that are they're, they're yearning for an example of good leadership that shows balance and mastery together. Love it. Love it. So... You alluded to something called the top five priorities principle. Yes. Yes. Um, can and and I know we're we we don't have a whole lot of time, and I know your course is you know weeks long. So, um, <laughs> yeah. is there, is there? Uh, can you just talk about that? The top five priorities principle. Just okay. so we have a, an idea of some of the things that maybe people could start thinking about. Okay, excellent. If, if I'm asked, Rick, what's the one thing I can do to improve my balance and mastery in my life? What's the one thing I can do? I say, pick your top five priorities. 
pick your top five priorities and honor them. Not three or four, not six or seven or eight, top five. And we call that the mastery circle. And I put that in a book called Personal Wellness many years ago, and I've used it all over the world. If we can get people to at least have five top priorities or goals or aspirations, one, that helps you to avoid being a single-focused person. Single-focused people cause trouble, and they, 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 they spew it on everybody around them. It does lots of damage. Uh, so this forces you to make sure you have five different priorities. And what you start to learn is that it's like the other four. You've got one big one maybe making lots of money, being successful. But the other four are like a life vest for you. When the world gets tough, when, when you feel your self-esteem sinking, when you feel that you're insignificant in this big world, especially with the social media, when you have those other four priorities, maybe it's piano, maybe it's cycling, maybe it's travel, it might be a significant other or it might be family as one. When you have the other four, something magical happens with your personality, with your batteries being recharged, and with how you, ta you, you tackle what you do for a living. I will guarantee that person will be a different person when they focus on their top five priorities. We call it the mastery circle. The mastery circle. Well, um, that kind of ties in with the last question I was going to ask you, and, and I, I think you just answered it. Um, uh -oh. what, can, what can our audience do? A step that we can all take, and it sounds like do some thinking and come up with those five priorities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I also wanted to say that um, we're going to have um, your contact information and how people can um, learn more about um, your mastery programs. We'll have those in the speaker's notes uh, for people so that they Excellent. can, they can find you and access uh, this, this brilliant work of yours. Oh, thank you. Heck, I, thank I you. think I might be one of your next students. I'm, I'm just um, very, very enthralled with, um, with this information. And um, I, I think uh, we need to get the word out to, uh, to a lot more of um of our industries and our corporations because um, I, I don't miss corporate America at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. And um, it would, Don't it would be great to, to get in there. Yeah. Yes. Do I have time for a 30 second story? You do. Okay. To balance the one we started with, with Ruth, I want to tell you about it's and your listeners about jump starting your humanity. And I'll squish mm. this down. I was in France. I'd lived there for a while and I was camping and I went through this town called Le Havre and the Seine River runs through it. And there's a big bridge going over the river. And I see this kid up on the bridge and he's he's getting his nerve up to jump off this bridge and he jumps off the bridge and goes through the air, hits the water, and comes out. And um, 
Yeah, he said, I, I ran up to him. I said, what did you just do? You scared me half to death. And he looks up and he says, you want to see me do it again? Sometimes you just have to have fun. And the kid jumped off the bridge again and I, it was contagious. So I gave him my camera, my French francs at the time, my car keys. And I went to the top. I looked off and I said, I can't jump off. I'm, I'm bigger than he is. I will die and go out to the English Channel. I finally got my nerve up and I jumped off the bridge and I hit the water. I came back up and I was sizzling. I was sizzling, laughing like this 12 year old kid. And what I learned that day that I try to get across to people is sometimes we've got to jumpstart the humanity in our lives. It's been mm. covered up with all kinds of work and duty and taxes and pandemics. We've got to do something that jumpstart that humanity that we were born with. And it sounds like in your work, you, you are trying to get that across to people in my work. And there's a 12-year-old kid that taught me how to be human mm. again in, by jumping off a bridge. Wow. I love that. I bet you felt alive after you jumped I, and came up and oh, I you lived through it. So, <laughs> yeah, wow. Kid. Well, you know, it, I think I think being a kid and watching kids can remind us about jumpstarting our humanity by being more childlike. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Wow, man, I wish we had like two hours because I, I'm just enjoying this so much. Um, and unfortunately, um, we have to we have to sign off. Um, Rick, I will be in touch with you uh, because um, I, I want to talk more with you. And, and I'm certain that some of our audience will be reaching out to you as well. Thank you so much for your wisdom, your talent, your brilliance, your heart and your time. Thank you so much, Don. It's, it's a pleasure when I get to talk about this. It honors Ruth from many, many years mm -hmm. ago. And I, I, I pledge Absolutely. that I will spend my life honoring her. Well, so I, I think Ruth knows that. I think she sees you. She hears you. She's got your back. And I so appreciate you and, and, uh, and your story about Ruth and, and about the 12-year-old boy. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. This has been To Your Greatness with Dawn Mathis and with my guest, Rick Griggs. Thank you for joining me on To Your Greatness. If you're inspired by what you heard and are ready to take a deeper dive into your own life's purpose, I'd love to offer you a complimentary life reflection session. In this session, I'll help you get clearer about what's been holding you back and how you can rediscover the greatness that lies within you. If this is something you would love, I invite you to head to my website, toyourgreatness.net, where you can take the first step in this journey. Spots are limited, so claim yours today. You are so much more than what you do for others. I believe there is a dream inside you just waiting to be fulfilled. If you agree, I invite you to take that first step and visit www.toyourgreatness.net right now. I can't wait to meet with you. My name is Dawn Mathis, and this is To Your Greatness. Remember, 
Your greatness lies within you. See you next time. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to subscribe and keep listening. Remember to like, share, and review this podcast to help other listeners like you find their way to this heart-centered community. Thank you so much.